30-plus executive orders and tens of thousands of job losses later. Welcome to this week in the first week of the Biden administration. I'm Adrian Slade. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. So happy installation day. Joe Biden was installed as the 46th president of the United States. And the, the news media just could not help themselves from just creaming their jeans. Listen to this. This is kind of how it went down. We turn now to breaking news. Newly sworn in 46th president of the United States of America and greatest thing since sliced bread, Joe Biden, looking dapper with his $50,000 cufflinks and his shoes made from Chinese-crafted, carefully woven Uyghur skins has issued a nationwide mask mandate for the first 100 days. President Biden plans to defeat the coronavirus with his signature wrestling move, the sleeper hold, on day 101. We turn now to Xander Bradenson, with the most millennial name of all millennials, for more on this developing story. Xander. Uh, yes, David, we have entered the atrium of the Biden rectum and... The excitement is palpitating. The cavity is almost a capacity with press and reporters and journalists and media. All of the entire Biden battalion. That's what his fan club is called, the Biden battalion. And the hope and the dreams of a brighter future are just outside of his flexing rusty sheriff's badge. And we're all taking a taste of that delicious unity. Mm. Oh, Mr. Mr. Biden, does he wipe his winkly balls wubbed? Does he like his tank fluffed? Does he like it? We're sniffing your hair now, Mr. President. That's basically what you got from the fawning media. I mean, let's let's take a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. Yamichi Alkindor, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Who cares? She's with PBS NewsHour. She said, President-elect Joe Biden, walking into the moment he's been heading for for 48 years. Wow. Then there's also Pop Sugar's Ella Emhoff's crystal coat stole the show at the inauguration. Um, I think that's the with the daughter of, of, of Harris or something like that. Um, yeah. Then there's gems like this one from uh, Lauren Wolf. She was with the New York Times. Biden landing at Joint Base Andrews now. I have chills. New York Post, Kamala Harris style is ushering in a new generation of power dressing. Washington Examiner, Hunter Biden holds his youngest child at Joe Biden's inauguration. And then you've got Charlotte Alter. She's with Time Magazine, so this should be really special and sweet. Inauguration best dressed so far, Michelle Obama, obviously... Ella Emhoff, exciting newcomer, and baby Biden's bonnet. To which somebody said, this is an Italian Biden snub. And she responded, wow, you're right. Natalie Biden looks fantastic. I miss her. Yeah, that's your fawning media. Get ready for four years of that because we're already seeing it. It's it's really nauseating because now we've gone from the cycle. This happened going back, starting back from uh, even 
gosh, you could go back from Nixon to Ford to Carter, and then you get to Reagan, and they just dunked all over Reagan constantly, which he found a way to rise above it. Then you went through the fawning, those boxers or briefs of the saxophone playing Bill Clinton. He's so dreamy. Then it went into George W. Bush throwing shoes at him in Iraq, and he's just this evil, you know, dunce. And then it went into Obama with this, with this, the crease in his slacks. And then, of course, Trump got it the worst. Boy, they just anally probed that guy for four years constantly in the media. And now on day two, just fawning media left and right. So while they had Lady Gaga basically enter in the Hunger Games, she ushered that in. And then you had Jenny from the block out there singing the communist uh, anthem, This Land is Your Land. They were able to utilize the, what, 20-some thousand troops that they had, that it was more than they have in Fallujah and in in uh, Afghanistan, uh, in D.C. with unloaded weapons. They were able to keep everybody away so they couldn't show the five to seven cars that uh, would be honking at Biden when he was talking about unity. Um, they didn't need them anymore, apparently, after it was all said and done. And Benny Johnson had this posted, said, Military source in D.C., for the last week, my battalion has been sleeping on the floor of the Senate cafeteria. Today, the Senate kicked us out and moved us to a cold parking garage. 5,000 soldiers, one power outlet, one bathroom. This is how Biden's America treats soldiers. Amazing. You should see the photos. There's tons of soldiers sleeping on the floor of this cafeteria. Now, a lot of these people from the video I saw when Biden was driving on out, they turned their backs to him, apparently because they said, well, we found 12 uh, right-wing extremists that we had to vet, and we had to, you know, we, if you're going to consolidate power, you have to bring the military in and get rid of anyone that disagrees with you politically, I guess, even though your oath that you swore when you joined the military was to uphold the Constitution, not uh, uphold the guy you voted for, but... Um, this was also from the source from Benny Johnson said yesterday, dozens of senators and congressmen walked down our lines, taking photos, shaking our hands and thanking us for our service. Within 24 hours, they had no further use for us and banished us to the corner of the parking garage. We feel incredibly betrayed as does the Republic because all this talk about democracy, we've got to uphold democracy while they're, building a wall around the District of Columbia, Vatican Central for the uh, you know First National Church of Gov that they all bowed and prayed to in the sermon on the Mount, uh, on Mount, <laughs> Mount Mall of D.C., um, Mount Columbia, maybe we call it. Um, they decided to do executive orders to destroy the actual wall that was keeping out illegals, and we're going to get into some of the executive orders and some of the uh, uh, some of the things that Biden has done in the last few days. And we're also because I like to create solutions, I like to solve problems. We're going to go through how we, as a conservative movement, can fix this problem, and it's actually, believe it or not, much easier than you think. It's not as difficult of a task 
they found weaknesses in the exhaust port of the Death Star that they shot their missiles into to take us out, but it can be repaired and rebuilt to a, a larger state. But we'll get into that here in just a moment. So first, we need to talk about all of the destructiveness that happened at the beginning of the week. Joe Biden sent out, basically over the course of three days, about 30-plus executive orders. They killed the Keystone Pipeline, so there goes uh, some 20,000-plus jobs, I think, 11,000, 20, somewhere in that range, all with the stroke of a pen. And you should see the video. He's, like, taking a different pen each time, because that's not government waste, and he looks like me back in high school, filling out the Scantron bubble card for the test you never study for. You know, you're just going, yeah, A looks good, C looks good, ah, we'll go with E, we'll go with D. I mean, listen to him, he's going through and he's like, this is for the death of thousands of jobs and the ending of energy independence here in America. And then he signs, and this one is so boys can now use the women's room and they can also wrestle your daughter or compete in your daughter's sports. Just listen how crazy all this is. This executive order I'm signing is uh, strengthening the supply chain. This next one is keeping workers safe. How to do that. It's almost as if he didn't even read any of the things he's signing. And he obviously might not have because whatever's coming out is awful. Every bit of it. I mean, they took the lid off of the price dampening measures of insulin, which, you know, I'm not for government price controls, but they weren't actually operating in the free market and with a free market manner. At, at the point that they were operating in. I mean, it was pretty much all over the place. I mean, and now we're going back into Syria. Yeah, so we cut the XL, the, the Keystone XL pipeline, which gave us energy independence, and it also helped Canada, believe it or not. Justin Trudeau's kind of pissed about that. And instantly we're going back into Syria. So we're going to start talking about Assad's gas and his people again, and then we're going to turn it into a complete, utter cluster you-know-what with... Power vacuums of Al-Qaeda, Al-Nusra, uh, you know, Assad's people are going to be flushed out of uh, certain areas. And then these neighborhoods will be taken over by a new strain of ISIS, which already claimed an explosion in Baghdad. <laughs> Imagine that over in Iraq. So we got ISIS popping back up again just a couple days into the Biden presidency. It's amazing. And now he's going to switch gears on uh, Israel, too. This is from the Free Beacon. Biden reverses on change to U.S. ambassador to Israel Twitter. And they changed the name to include West Bank and Gaza. The Biden administration reversed a change to the U.S. ambassador to Israel's Twitter account to read the official Twitter account of the U.S. ambassador to Israel, the West Bank and Gaza. So, huh. Looks like we're going to get rid of those Abraham Accords, aren't we? We're just going to start stirring up the Middle East. Let's just wreck that entirely, too. So these are things we have to consider. While everybody was worried about mean tweets and how we uh, you know, need demeanor, we got this guy in there basically wrecking policy domestically and foreign. It's really unbelievable. The amazing part, though, is going to be the fact that America is going to know this. <laughs> when their gas prices go up and their electricity bills go up, they're going to know that under the Trump administration, we made it possible for America to be independent and not have to go to the Middle East 
for our fuel resources, but <clears throat> not Biden. <laughs> We're going to know it was the Middle Eastern. Uh, the screw ups in the Middle East are going to be done by Biden. But, you know, the left doesn't care. The leftist media, they don't get any. They don't get it. If they did, they wouldn't be putting out garbage uh, stories like in CNN. To save the planet, we have to kill their jobs. CNN contributor John Sutter asked, in the fight against the climate crisis, what do we owe the workers who have helped power America for decades? Well, apparently, we're just going to give them new jobs and re-educate them. I mean, this, this is actually in the thread that I was reading. One of them responding to that, that piece said, saving the planet won't kill jobs. It might kill specific jobs, but those jobs will be replaced by similar jobs. In fact, it might take more workers to make the transition, which will take years. Well, those jobs aren't exactly requiring the same qualifications. And this other person says, good point, which is why oil and gas industry employee re-education will be really important and a way to move forward. Yeah. Uh, Pete Buttigieg was saying this, having electricity in homes killed jobs, but people learned new jobs and society kept moving forward, as did the work. Workers are not as dumb as you think, which I responded with, well, they're definitely dumber than this tweet exchange, which is by far the stupidest conversation I've read. But yeah, Pete Buttigieg, as Secretary of Transportation, he's got two things. First off, he's telling you, ah, if you lost your job, Learn to code. Remember when journalists were losing their jobs left and right, and everybody said, well, hey, you lost your job. How about you learn to code so you can write your own websites? And everybody started getting banned because they looked at his, his, their, their feels, their sensitivity towards being ridiculed online was really causing them just, it's hurtful in this time, this dark hour of journalism. Well, they yeah, they basically told everybody to learn to code. And that is what Pete Buttigieg is telling the fossil fuel industry. I will say it was disconcerting to see yesterday, the first day of the Biden administration, straight out of the gate, President Biden announced that he was canceling the Keystone Pipeline. That is a major infrastructure project. That is a project that right now today has 1,200 good-paying union jobs. And in 2021, the Keystone Pipeline was scheduled to have more than 11,000 jobs, including 8,000 union jobs, for contracts worth $1.6 billion. And with the stroke of a pen, President Biden has told those 11,000 workers, those union workers, your jobs are gone. Mr. Buttigieg, what do you say to those workers whose jobs have just been eliminated by presidential edict? I think the most important thing is to make sure that we make good on the promise of the president's climate vision as being one that on net creates far more jobs, millions, we hope. Uh, I know that won't just happen. We'll have to do a lot of work to make sure that's real. Uh, but getting this right means ensuring that there are more good paying union jobs for all Americans delivered through that infrastructure vision. So for those workers, the answer is somebody else will get a job? The answer is that we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good-paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. Well, I, I fear that decision is the front end of a whole series of regulatory decisions, one after the other after the other, that will be eliminating union jobs, that will be eliminating manufacturing jobs, that will be eliminating energy jobs. And that 
is altogether out of step with what the American people want. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll just get him new jobs. I mean, it's no biggie. No biggie. Ted Cruz has a right, <laughs> the right mindset. It's the same thing we're all thinking, and I'm glad he was actually bringing it to the table. But look, look at this. New Mexico. New Mexico leaders say Biden domestic energy bans will devastate the state's economy, where jobs, education, and the public programs depend on funding from the industry. New Mexico voted 54-43 for Biden. Yeah, you guys kind of own that one. <laughs> but see, it's never they never take cre- they never take ownership of the dumb stuff they do. Look at this. United Association of United Plumbers and Pipefitters endorses Vice President Joe Biden. And then, months later, Keystone XL decision will raise energy costs for American families. Well, guess what? <laughs> You own it. That is, that's all you. We didn't want that. And we knew he was going to be a president who just is a malleable puppet. Somebody's pulling him across the, uh, the finish line. This is Adrian Slade. So, yeah, Pete Buttigieg, he uh, also has this great policy idea. This will blow your friggin' mind right here. Just the news. Um, new tax on number of miles you drive? Incoming Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg likes the idea. <laughs> he suggested taxing Americans for the number of miles they drive, a policy he endorsed as a Democrat presidential candidate. Now, remember, he was the guy who was running against Vice President Mike Pence because he's, you know, trying to use his religion and his homosexuality against a devout Christian like Mike Pence. You know, it wasn't. Pete Buttigieg running against Trump, he was going against the vice president. But he is wanting to implement what is called a vehicle miles traveled tax, a system that should be considered as a potential replacement for gas tax. <laughs> so he's going to, he wants to tax the number of, or, or tax the amount of miles you drive. Now, going along with that is the idea that Joe Biden has now signed his executive order that he didn't read. In fact, there's a video that I just saw after I recorded, you know, my assertion. As I'm sitting there recording it, I see a new video where he actually says, uh, uh, what does it say again? <laughs> didn't even read the executive order. He's doing the Scantron bubble filling. Um, yeah, he uh, decided, hey, let's just hike the minimum wage for federal workers to $15 an hour. And people say, well, that's just federal workers. Well, guess what? That's going to affect the minimum wage across the board because other businesses are going to now have to step up to the plate or they're going to lose jobs. And what does that do to a business? So we're going to break down uh, the idea of taxation on miles driven and the idea of raising minimum wage, what it does to you, what it does to businesses, and what it does to the economy overall. But in the middle of all this insanity of executive order explosions, this is what happens. On day three and four, after taking office with multiple crises underway, Vice President Harris has an empty schedule. President Biden only meets with advisors until afternoon and nothing until Monday. That's from the Hill. And while all of that's happening, You've got this love fest with the media going on. This may sound trivial, but presidents and candidates have some events where 
in their fund for the candidate. The, the big crowd on the acceptance speech at the convention, the big crowd at the uh, inauguration, big rallies. Because of COVID, this president has, has been denied all those. Has he ever been at all wistful about sort of missing the fun parts of, uh, of being a candidate and the inauguration? A lighter note, uh, will he keep Donald Trump's Air Force One color scheme change? This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that today, um, given the number of executive actions, orders, the inauguration, a few things happening. Um, I will venture to get you an answer on that, and maybe we can talk about it in here tomorrow. I had a question on COVID, but I want to start with just some housekeeping from questions you had earlier in the week that you, okay. said you might circle back on. Okay. So I was wondering if... Um, the plane? Sure, we can start oh, there. I, I was, okay. Um, <laughs> uh on the plane, we are certainly aware of the, uh, the um, uh, White House military unit's uh, uh, proposal that has been submitted to them about reconsidering the color scheme of Air Force One. Uh, I can confirm for you here the President has not spent a moment thinking about the color scheme of Air Force One or uh, anything in the House or any article of anything. Uh, so, uh, And no one uh, is going to submit a decision memo to him on that particular topic. Uh, but. Uh, certainly we're aware of the proposal, and as there are any updates, we're happy to provide them to you. Yeah, no need to talk about COVID. Let's not ask those questions. Let's talk about uh, whether or not Biden feels like he missed out on the fun of inauguration or the color scheme of Air Force One, which those two clips were days apart. So somebody decided to ask about the color scheme of the airplane for Air Force One and then follow it up the following day to get an update on the color scheme of Air Force One. These people are so in a bubble, so lost, so tone deaf. And what is happening with uh, coronavirus these days? Well, look at this. WTOP just in. D.C. ends its ban on indoor dining. Restaurants are now open at 25% capacity in the middle of January. Amazing. Right after the election. How about this? Chicago Sun-Times. Just in, Governor Pritzker's health team officially gave the green light Saturday for restaurants and most bars across Chicago and suburban Cook County to invite customers back inside for indoor service. Amazing how that happens. Oh, and then right after the inauguration, the World Health Organization has now released guidance to laboratories around the world to reduce the cycle count in PCR tests to get a more accurate representation of COVID cases. The current cycle was much too high, resulting in any particle being declared a positive case. Remember when we said we were that episode, they're bringing COVID back? They're bringing COVID back. Yeah. Um, They, we talked about it then. The sensitivity of the tests were too high. Suddenly cases were going up, but they weren't talking about deaths. They were just talking about cases. Now, Biden's president, hey, we can get things back to the way they're supposed to be. I mean, they wouldn't lie to you. CDC wouldn't lie to you, would they? From Reuters, critics have said the CDC fumbled key decisions on COVID because the Trump administration meddled in the agency's operations. But Reuters has found evidence that the response was marred by actions or inaction by career scientists and frontline staff. (laughs) I'm telling you, this whole thing has been one lie. The virus itself was an issue. 
everything we did to combat it, locking down businesses, sending people home, the vaccines are starting to come back suspect. People are dying of it. I don't know. It's a lot to it. But that's what's happening in Biden's America now. COVID can actually be counted correctly, scientifically. We can follow science. We couldn't do that during Trump. We had to get him out of office. And everybody laughed at us for thinking that there was a motivation behind it, a political motivation. They said, you guys are crazy. Well, guess who was right? I don't want to be right on this, but uh, you kind of got to look at the data. That's what we did. And, and let's get into the tax side of it. because ta- and, and the $15 an hour uh, income, I, w- I want to get into the vehicle tax that Pete Buttigieg is talking about because they did something like this in, in New York, I thought. There's something where if you drove through certain sectors, you had to pay or that you were charged some amount and it, it really hit businesses hard that delivered you know, food items to restaurants and flowers to florists and all types of stuff, just any sort of trucking what we have to look at is first, what is a tax? Okay. Well, and I know this because I'm very well versed in taxation. Got a degree in it, <laughs> and, but here and a license in it. Here's the, the tax thing you have to think about with taxes. Yes, it's used to fund the government. And yes, the government's going to turn around and spend it on mountain lions on treadmills and blow your money out the door. Maybe, you know, a couple billion on gender studies in Pakistan. But taxes fund the government. But taxes do something else. It's behavior control. It's, well, behavior shaping. And what do I mean by that? Well, and it's also decision-making shaping. But behavior shaping, so say they want to encourage green energy. Well, they're going to give you credits for putting solar panels on your house. You'll get a credit for buying an electric vehicle, green energy windows. So they're shaping behavior to move you into green energy because you're going to get something on the back end. It's also going to shape behavior about families. You're going to want to get married and file jointly because there's bigger deductions if you instead of filing separately. You're going to want to have kids because you're going to have the child tax credits. You're going to have the dependent care deductions right? It's going to encourage donating to organizations that are nonprofit because you get something out of it. You get a tax deduction. All of those things encourage behaviors. So think of it as something that's going to shape the way you run your lives. If you're going to drive, like we have, a, we have a freeway that they built that charges an exorbitant toll and it takes you right from the, the southeastern part of Virginia right into the Outer Banks. Zips you right on down. Well, what you could do is you could get off at the exit a couple before, and you can hit a couple lights, and you can take your time, and you can zip back onto the highway and avoid the toll altogether. Now, some people will do that. Because why? They don't want to pay the tax. They don't want to pay the toll. So people make decisions based upon whether they want to spend money that they don't willingly need to spend. And if they're being taxed on money, they're basically looking at it as I'm spending money for nothing. I'm getting hit a couple, couple dollars here, a couple dollars there for nothing. What, for driving on the road? You know what? That road could be paid other ways. But they decide to do a toll. 
They decide people that use that road will pay for it. You decide whether or not you want to take alternate means to avoid paying the toll. And a lot of people do it. And the same thing can be said for this vehicle tax. What's that going to do? Well, the trucking industry is going to be screwed. And then it's going to affect decision-making by whether or not you take long trips, vacations, where you commute. In D.C., Lorraine, a lot of people live in Lorraine, which is an hour away from D.C. because it's cheaper living. So now they're going to get taxed for driving an hour because they have to live in a more economical area just so they can work in the field that they're in, or in the job they're employed in. It's all about shaping behavior because what's going to end up happening. They're going to want to reduce your ability to drive. And then they're going to throw a light rail at you. And then they're going to end up putting you on all types of mass transit. And suddenly you're not, you're not paying the tax, but you're still getting where you need. And the government ends up getting their control. Imagine that businesses are going to have to make that decision too. And this is the same thing as what I was talking about with uh, $15 an hour wage hikes. We've talked about this before, but for those new to the program, think of an income statement. So you have your gross income comes in. This is money before any cost of goods, uh, inventory, what have you. So you have manufacturers. What they do is they get their money coming in, but they also purchase the raw materials, things that they need to create the products that they're going to sell. Uh, they sell that to their wholesalers. Uh, the wholesalers buy those in, in huge amounts and at a lower rate than what a retailer would buy. And then they sell it to their retailers. And that inventory is then broken out and sold individually to people, customers like you and I. And that cost is factored in from the gross income, cost of goods sold or inventory. But they all have... And actually, that's where the taxes come into play. Because whenever you hear somebody say, oh, they'll just raise the taxes on the corporations and make all this money for the government. Well, those taxes are factored in to the cost of those products because they do what's called tax projections at the end of the year to come up with the amount of what they think they're going to pay in liabilities. And they factor that into the sales price. So you always pay the tax. But regardless of all that, they all have certain expenses that they operate on, their overhead, their utilities, uh, their, uh, you know, uh, office expenses, uh, legal fees, and labor. So when you push up $15 an hour, you're pushing up the labor cost. That's going to cause a couple of different after effects. Some of them being um, maybe they're going to automate. Maybe they're a business that doesn't need to have humans operating. But they do so because of the fact that uh, – it adds a different customization to it. You know, there's a human customer service element. Um, maybe you're going to end up reducing hours, reducing employee size, but making the remaining ones do the exact same amount work. Maybe you're going to push them to the boundaries. They're not going to be as, you know, uh, effective, as productive, but they're going to be stretched thin and that's going to end up hurting the business. Some businesses are just going to go out of business because they can't handle that extreme cost change. But in the case, and I always use this case of Johnny Rockets, the uh, burger joint, you know, they had employees that would jump on tables and sing and do all this stuff from time to time, given an experience. Well, when you jack up the price of automation, you know, the automation is out there. It's available. The tech is available, 
it's a pro and con pro and con cost analysis that the business does. Yeah, they could automate all day. They could get rid of all their employees. $15 an hour won't bother them. But if it's economically sound for them to have human employees versus automation because they want to provide the experience, people jumping up on tables and singing and dancing with the ketchup bottles and what have you, they will take that measure. They will take that cost and they factor it in because they know you'll come back because you enjoyed not just the food, but the experience. And that's what's going to end up being the cost analysis when you jack up $15 an hour They may just automate and say to heck with it. The food's good enough to stand on its own. But they always have consequences. And everything that we're seeing right now is a consequence of liberal stupidity, ignorance of what happens. They just see, we want this to happen. Here's the result. They don't factor the ripple effects of what they do. So they're not factoring in the ripple effects of what they want to do to Donald Trump and the Constitution because this impeachment number two, listen to this. This is how they want to uh, eliminate Donald Trump from the political sphere. They want to just, and they don't care if it ruins the Constitution one bit. They don't care if it sets a bad precedent. They don't care about the ripple effects. But listen to these two clips, and it kind of puts it together what their plans are for this impeachment when he's already out of power. And this time... Trump is out of office. So the entire case is not about removing him, but whether to convict and disqualify him from holding any office like the presidency forever. Now, this is huge and has never actually happened before. The United States Senate deciding something that can shape history, sanction Trump and ensure he never has power again and do so on that basis that you see right there for life. There's no more significant amount of time than for life. That's why Nicki Minaj famously sang for life, for life. And if the work is vindicated, best believe when it's done, it will be syndicated for life, for life. And just as Nicki declared herself in this very moment a king, the question here is if the speaker will ultimately slay Goliath with a constitutional sling. To quote Nicki Minaj? Yeah, the intellectual stalwart of Nicki Minaj. What an idiot. But listen, this is where they're going. Listen to Maisie Hirano on MSNBC. The American people want to see some accountability from the previous president, Donald Trump, who did incite, uh, as House uh, impeachment managers will claim, a violent insurrection on Capitol Hill. In order to see some accountability... At least 17 of your colleagues across the aisle will have to vote to convict. Have you had any indication at all that any of these folks are not radicalized, that they would see through a legal lens and vote to convict this president in a violent insurrection that resulted in five people killed? It's very clear, Tiffany, that uh, we need to not only hold the president accountable through an impeachment trial, but to get on with passing a COVID relief bill. And we can do both. Much of this depends on Mitch McConnell's willingness to bring his caucus along to do the right thing for the American people. So uh, that's where we are, Tiffany. And I know we can do both. all, All it takes is will on the parts of the Republicans at this point, and whether 17 of them will go along to convict this president of what we all experienced as a violent... 
insurrection at the uh, Capitol uh, remains to be seen. I think a, a few of them uh, will, but uh, I don't know that we're going to get 17. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't proceed to hold this president accountable. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop him from ever seeking elected office again. And that just takes a majority vote. Yeah, they want to eliminate him from ever being able to have the opportunity to run again because they know of what he could do and the movement behind him. And if we don't fix the elections, we're going to have this happen again. And Trump is not going to be able to get in or anyone else. Rick DeSantis or I mean, Ron DeSantis, uh, Christy Nome, hopefully not Nikki Haley. I keep hearing that. I call her Marsha Rubio. But we have to fix the election. And it's actually not that bad. This is how we move forward. It's not as bad as you might think, because we saw outside of the Dominion voting systems, uh, you know, switching votes and dead people voting and what have you. It needs to be a ground game. First off, we got to start working on a local level. This is how we move forward. This is how we win. But there's really just a handful of counties in a few swing states that really had the issue. And listen to Patrick Byrne. He's on Kevin Friedman's uh, economic war room. And when I heard this, I thought that's the key right here. This is the key. Fix these swing states, fix these counties. You can fix the problem. And then we have to move forward on a ground level. So, Patrick, tell us, what has the research uncovered? Well, what they did was, in a sense, the Democrats are correct and that the, they keep saying the fraud wasn't widespread. Well, it was it was very strategic and very focused, it was indeed focused, not widespread, it was focused on six counties. They figured out that if you jack, in the sense of hijack, like carjacking, if you election jack in six counties in America, you can steal the nation. You don't have to steal the whole nation, just steal six counties. And those counties are the ones where Atlanta, Philly, Detroit, Milwaukee, Maricopa County, which is greater Phoenix, and Clark, which is greater Vegas. You steal those six places or even just a few of them. You flip the states that they're in, which flips the Electoral College, which flips the nation. So really, stealing the United States comes down to stealing six counties. But boy, in those counties, they want what I call full-on goon. And And those are the six counties that you hear about this crazy stuff, everything from them shutting down counting in the middle of the night. Whoever heard of that? It, one of the, the And shutting down counting in Atlanta and make everyone go home. But some of the Republicans didn't go home and they stuck around and they got movies of people sneaking in with backpacks and, and such filled with ballots. So that same, that general plan happened in all those six places, things like that, along with other kinds of fraud and Sharpie ballots. In the last week or the last few days, actually, we uncovered even a, a side of it I've not made public until today, but it was that beyond, I've been saying that publicly for about 10 days. Beyond that, they did another kind of cheating where they went, they basically took places that were already blue, deep blue, and made them even more intensely blue. They also took places that were red, very red, and made them just a shade less red because no one would notice. So they took counties, and we know of at least two states we can document this, where there were heavily red counties And they figured, you know, if we go up to a place that's 66 percent Republican and we steal. So there it's own. We steal 600 votes, 300 votes from this town, that town. So it ends up only being 61 percent Republican. 
know, it's still going to look like, wow, overlook. It's not going to look strange to anyone. And so they did. They stole small amounts of ballots in these rural areas. What they didn't do and they were smart is they didn't take a place that was just a little bit red and flip it blue because that would get too much attention and, and people staring. But they went to places that were intensely red and made them a little bit less red by stealing these rural areas by stealing uh, small batches of votes in different towns. And then they took big cities that were heavy blue and they made them heavy, heavy blue. See, we really need to focus on fixing the election integrity in six pivotal counties. And then we all in our own backyards have to look local. We have to dominate locally. But these six counties flip six states, flip the electoral college. I mean, That's how the Soros-backed movement flipped the script. He weaponized federalism by focusing on state and municipal elections. It needs to be built from the ground up. And a president should not be so consequential that every four years, an election like this has such impact. But right now, I'm talking, you got to triage. You got to pick the the hot spots and fix them. The ground game has to ultimately always be expanding. And as patriots, many from the Tea Party movement, you can take control back from the unibrow party if you do it on the local level. Now, I'm not saying third party is the way to go. I'm saying build a coalition within to put pressure on the existing party and flip the primaries. But there might be a need down the road for a third party. We might have to at a certain point. You know, the GOP DNC paradigm keeps being touted as well. If we mess that up, we split the vote. And yes, they have existing infrastructure and, you know, their ballot placement and what have you. But think about your local level. Think about how many politicians on your city council, you don't even know what party they're in. They all run on independents, independent labels. Think about how. So, I mean, you build a ground game with a political party that is new. It eventually bubbles up. But look at Ross Perot's reform party. I mean, it got so big so quickly because people just wanted change. Jesse the Body Ventura won a governor's race in in that. So you take Trump's you know name ID, his brand, he's going to have a lot more impact than Ross Perot. So either we're supporting the Nancy Maces where we elect them under one pretense and they sell us out to the establishment as soon as they get in or we build something strong locally, vet your own people. And it, it's it's something that we have to start doing anyways, be active on the local level. That's how we move forward. That's how we win. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, iHeart. Tune in. You can also go to adriansladeshow.com and also check it out on the Roku channel. We're back to fixing that up and updating it, and we'll see you guys next time.